0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org.
1: If a pastor uh, sent me up a note here, wow, it's pretty cool. Today is our thirteenth anniversary in California at High Desert Word Center. <laughs> we became uh, we became pastors here on July seventeenth of two thousand and five. So we've been here 13 more years and many more to come if the Lord tarries. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's see. I have some uh, books I want to show you before I get into the message. And Josh is going to help me a little bit this morning. This book, if you have not read this book, John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, you need to get it and read it. Because most people in their Christian walk stumble up really bad because they get offended. There's two kinds of offenses. You can get offended because you're offended or you can pick up somebody else's offense because somebody else starts, starts to tell you their, their uh, sad story and starts dumping their stout stuff out on you. And all of a sudden, you're picking up their offense. And so this is telling you how very, very serious it is if you become offended. Okay? So this is called a bait of Satan. We have that in the bookstore also, uh, Pastor Dave told us the other day we have one year Bible in the uh, in the uh, um, this is pretty cool in the bookstore arranged in 365 daily readings. The New Living Translation, which happens to be his favorite. Hallelujah. And we also have Kenneth Hagin's book, Exceeding Growing Faith, Exceeding Growing Faith. You know, you don't want your faith to be stagnant, right? You want your faith to grow. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's open up with prayer and we're going to get into the word today. I'm so excited about this message because, you know, God's pretty cool. You know what I mean? He is really cool. Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, and our spirit, Lord, is awake to understanding what you have to say to us today through your word. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory that today we are changing and we are going from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, um, a while ago, a couple weeks ago, I just love it when the Lord just says a one-liner to me. I tell you this all the time. He said, failure to thrive. Failure to thrive. Well, failure to thrive is actually a medical condition. It's usually in in, uh, newborn babies when they fail to gain weight. They fail to grow. And sometimes uh, this failure to thrive is even fatal. And so uh, we don't want to be that way. So the Lord showed me that some Christians... Are failing to thrive, and in some cases it's even fatal. So, you know, God, the Lord took this uh, this this medical condition called failure to thrive, and He flipped it over into the to the body of Christ, and He said that some of my some of my children are failing to thrive, and for some of them it's even fatal. You know, a lot of times, I mean, in your walk as a believer, you can look around and you've seen that. You've seen that. You've seen it over and over and over again. And Pastor and I, as as uh been in the ministry for a long, long time, have seen this over and over and over again. And I just tell you what, it just breaks our heart. Because uh, you're, you guys are all our kids. The people who aren't here this morning, they're all our kids. You know, a lot of folks are on vacation, but, you know, I don't know where a lot of folks are. And so when we see people become victorious in their Christian life... And then all of a sudden, they fall away. What are they falling away to? They're not falling into God. They're falling away into Satan, right? There's only two ways that you can go. So to thrive means to grow or develop well or vigorously. And as a believer, we want to do that, right? We want to be able to grow, to develop and to develop vigorously. That's what we want. We want to have healthy spirits. Synonyms of, of the word thrive are synonyms, the word that means the same as. So you can use these words that I'm going to give you in exchange for the word thrive. So one is to bloom, one is to blossom, one is to develop, to flourish, to grow, to prosper, to shine to succeed, to advance, to increase, to score, to bear fruit, to get ahead, to get there. You know, if you think about the sermon, you know, that Jesus was going to go to the other side of the lake and a storm arose up in the middle. Well, your your thing as a thriving believer is to get to the other side of the lake, to thrive, to get there. And the other one is to turn out well how many of you, you may have never seen this because you don't live where there's water, but how many of you have ever seen a stagnant pond at all? Have you seen a stagnant pond? Okay, a stagnant pond is a pond where there's no life in it. Let me tell you what a, what a pond or a lake is that has life. A pond or a lake that is alive has vegetation. It has fish in it. People can swim in it or boat in it. Wild animals come and drink from it. It flows in and it flows out. A lot of times it's spring-fed. You know, a spring comes up and it comes into makes a pond or a lake, and then it flows back out. And it takes the water somewhere else. A stagnant pond is dead. There is no life in it because it has failed to thrive. Nothing grows in it. Animals cannot drink from it. People cannot play in it because it's green and it's yucky and it smells. Well, you can correlate that to a believer as well. Are you as a believer a living pond or a lake or are you stagnant and dead? Are you failing to thrive as a believer? So you need to know what is going on. So sometimes believers start off really well and on fire, but then they fall away. And so... You know me and my pictures that the Lord gives me. We have a picture today. And I have my tools with me. Sometimes you need tools of the trade. (laughs) Yes, I have used all these tools. I have, I have. Okay. Joshua's going to help me, but I have to turn off my microphone. Or else we'll squeal real bad, won't we? Maybe, huh? Okay. Hold still.
0: All right. We're going to read from Mark chapter four uh, and verses three. So they'll go ahead and put that up on the screen there. And it says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up. And because it had no depth of earth, uh, um, it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew and choked it. And it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear.
1: So a picture's worth a thousand words, right? So I know that many of you couldn't see what's going on up there, but you ought to go up there after a while and just kind of look at it because the Holy Ghost always gives me these little pictures. And so I kind of have to act them out. Amen. Show you what he's doing. So a parable, this is Jesus. If you have a red letter edition Bible, this is Jesus talking. And a parable, which is what this is, is a natural illustration of, to get across a spiritual truth. So Jesus tells us something that we, can, that we see almost every day. And so he's able to take that picture and translate it over into a spiritual thing. And it teaches us a very valuable lesson. lesson. So Jesus explains this parable in uh, Mark chapter 4. We're still in Mark chapter 4. And he starts out in verse 13. And I'm reading out of the New King James today. And Jesus said unto him. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? So as far as Jesus is concerned, this parable here is like the basic number one parable that he wants us to be able to get and to understand. So what happens is the sower that's out there is actually sowing the word. So the sower sows the word. And these are those by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the seed is the word, right? The word of God. How many of you ever planted the word in somebody's life? How many of you have have you ever seen results from it? How many of you have not seen results of it, although you planted the seed? Right. Sometimes you don't see any results. So uh, down here, Jesus said in verse 15, the word is sown and they... Hear it. So you're gonna see it, you're gonna see a common denominator amongst all these people groups where the word was sown. They all hear it. So the people heard this. So then what does Satan do? He comes in immediately and steals the word. Comes immediately and steals the word. Let me give you an example. So let's say, for instance, pastor teaches an awesome message on love, you know, man, there's just love, love, love. And it's so wonderful. And and just been a awesome service and there's all love all over the place. And you walk out the door and into the car and all of a sudden you and your wife had a big old fight or the kids start acting up. What happened immediately as soon as you walked out the door, Satan came and he stole the word that was sown in your heart. Right. Anybody ever experienced that (laughs) happens to the best of us? Okay, so. Why does Satan steal the word? He doesn't care about you. Okay, he doesn't care about you, Betty. All he cares about is the word that is in you. Because Satan knows that if he can steal the word out of Betty, he's going to have a woman that isn't victorious like you see her. You're going to have a woman that is defeated and all other kinds of things. Because Satan stole the word. So that's what he's after. He's after the word that is in you. Say the word that is in me. He did not care about you. You get that? He just cares about that precious, precious word that is in you. So then verse 16 tells us, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. and When they hear the word, immediately they receive it in, with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for only a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So the word is stone on stony ground. Guess what? They all hear it. it says they hear it, right? They receive it with gladness. How many of you have ever known people that come in here and, man, they they get the word, you know, they come in here, they hear it, they get it, and they're so on fire. They're the loudest one yelling during praise and worship, you know. But then they have no root in themselves and they endure for only a little time, only for a short time. Why? Because tribulation or persecution arises to steal the word out of their their hearts. So, a minute ago I showed you the book about the bait of Satan. One of the biggest things that Satan uses, as I said a moment ago, to steal the word out of people's lives is to get them offended. They get ticked off about no reason at all. No reason at all. I've seen people that... You know, you can see, you can picture people in your own mind, but I've got this one person in my own mind. Man alive, this person got gloriously saved. Pastor and I ministered to their family in a big way so that someone went to heaven and not hell. Just all kinds of good stuff. Person came in here, they were just so on fire for God, yelling for God and all that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden, they don't show up anymore. And you try to reach out to them, you know, you know what's going on, what's going on. Well, then you find out that they're, they've backslidden, but they don't blame themselves for backsliding. They blame the church. They blame you. They blame us as pastors, and then they plaster it all over Facebook, or they see you in the Walmart, and they're spilling garbage all over you about why they don't like us, why they don't like you, why they don't like this church. And, you know, the reality of the whole thing is we didn't do anything but bless them. But they got offended about one thing or another, and so they have to have somebody to offend. And so, it'll be you, it'll be me, it'll be this place. Isn't that pathetic? But they've had the same opportunity to hear the Word, right? But this is what happens to them. So, Satan was after the Word, and not that person's life. You know, they were beginning to show a little bit of fruit in their lives, but... Satan came and he stole that word. The Lord gave me a. a I wrote it at the end of my little message here, but I've got to read it to you. He shut his little He said this to me. Many times people come into church looking like they've been hit by a train. Isn't that so? They are messed up. Their lives are a mess, but at least they're smart enough to walk through the door of the church. You know, they're smart enough for that. They get all fixed up. They're well on their way to victorious Christian life. And then they purposely go out and stand in front of the same train again. You get that picture? Destruction, despair, gloom and agony. How's the rest of that thing go? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's from the old Hee Haw show. But this fits into this, doesn't it? So we don't want to be like people that that hear the word and then are excited about it for a little while and start to bear fruit. And then all of a sudden we get ticked off about something or something else happens in our life. And all of a sudden you don't see them anymore and wham, they got hit by the train again. So if they do show up, some once in a while they'll show back up and they look just the same as they did the first day they walked into the door. They look like they got hit by a train. Very sad. Verse 18 and 19 says this. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who, what do they do? They hear the word. You've got another batch of folks that hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of the lust for other things entering in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So these people once bore, bore some kind of fruit. So you have to have borne some kind of fruit in order to become unfruitful, correct? So these people, although they started to bear some kind of a fruit, you could see growth in them. You could see a change in them. All of a sudden, they became unfruitful. Why? Because of the cares of this world. You know, everybody has cares, right? Everybody has, has, has things that can be potential worries, concerns in your life. The seefulness of riches, this is the biggest one Pastor and I have ever seen in our life, is for people who take a job where they work on Sundays and they work on Wednesday nights, they work during church times. You never, they come and they'll they'll say this to us, Pastor, I got the best job, it really pays, I got you know, I got this big big increase in pay, I got all these bonuses, all these benefits, and there's room for promotion and blah, blah, blah. You know, and they go on and on and on about it, but... But you that then they'll say, but the only problem is I have to work on Sundays and I won't be able to be here on Wednesday nights. Bye-bye. So what good was that kind of a job? You need to put Jesus first place in your life because without Jesus first place in your life, your life is a failure. Right? If you don't put Jesus first, your life is a failure. And you know what? A lot of times, you can't compromise on stuff like this. I remember one time, Pastor and I, he took this, this uh, job in Indiana. This is before we were pastors. We had all these little folks. We were little people. And uh, he took this job making $9 an hour. Why? Because the Holy Ghost told him to make, take this job making $9 an hour. Now, $9 an hour, you know, even back then, that wasn't a whole lot of money. What were Teamsters making back then? Teamsters were making $18 an hour. So he took a, job, took a job with this non-union company, Hall & Steel, around Indiana for $9 an hour. And you know what? We were more blessed on that nine-an-hour uh, job than we would have been on that 18-hour job. You know, it pays to listen to the Holy Ghost because, you know, money's not everything. If you if you become a tither and a giver with your nine dollar an hour job, God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will stretch your money beyond anything you ever thought about. He he does that. He's just so good at it. But you have to listen to the Lord. We had well, we had six children at the time. Yeah, we had six children at the time. So, you know deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world. You know, what are you worried about? Whatever you're worried about is probably because you're not trusting God in whatever it is you're worried about. Because if you would get into the Word and find out what the Word has to say about whatever it is you're worried about and trust God, then you won't have that worry anymore. But some people think it's better to... Some people think that... Well, let me just give you this example too. Pastor prayed that I'd have examples on the way here, so I'm getting all kinds of them. When Pastor Dave had leukemia, we knew the end result. He's healed, he's healthy, he's whole. You know the story, in two weeks he was miraculously healed, no more cancer in his body, etc. His parents said, you know, we were, we were not worried, okay? We knew what the Word said. We were not worried. And Pastor's parents said, Bernie's too stupid to even worry. That's the way the world looks at it. That you're just too stupid to worry. Don't you know what's going on in your life? You know, everything's falling apart. And you're not worried? What is wrong with you mentally? You must be insane. There's something wrong with you. But you know what? Just the opposite is true. Just the opposite is true because when you get the word on a subject... And I'll tell you something. It's good to get the word on a subject before, that, before Satan hits you and your family with it. Because when the devil hit, hit us, when Pastor, when Pastor Dave was three and a half years old with leukemia, we were already strong in the, in the word on healing. We already knew what the word said on healing. We didn't have to sit around and say, oh, I wonder what God's will is. You know, kind of stuff like that. Same thing with your finances. You know, the word of God tells you there's 2,000 scriptures in the word of God on financial things. Can you believe that? So it must be an important matter to God if he comes across with 2,000 scriptures. And I think, I forget how many parables there are, but over half of them have to do with finances. Not prayer, not, you know, but finances. So isn't that amazing? So, you know, you need to learn to trust God. Amen. You need to learn. I bet you trust God, Nadine. She Nadine is the best real estate agent this side of heaven. In fact, I always tell her, you're the real estate agent from heaven. This woman is amazing. You have a roof over your head. I see you have nice clothes on your body. You're, you're good to go. Hallelujah. Well, I would say, Nadine, that you have learned how to live by faith. Are you worried day in and day out? No. Why? Because you're always taken care of because you trust in. So let's talk about this some more. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things. Come in and choke out the word. What are some of the other things that you can be worried about? Jobs, money, wayward children, wayward adults. I know a lot of you young people, you're born again and your folks aren't. You know, they're out there still on drugs or whatever it is they're doing, still being stupid in life. You know, but you can't sit around and worry about that. You know, you can't worry about that at all. You have to let God have it. Some believers are going around pouting with their bottom lip dragging. You know, they're just so torn up. And a lot of times people do that to get attention. You know. They (laughs) what gets me is people on Facebook. And they'll say, oh, I'm having such a bad day, period. So then 20 other people get on the thing What's your problem, oh sister? What's your problem? And all they want is attention. Now, keep your problems to yourself, between you and God. God's the one that cares. These people don't care about your problems. Amen. They just want to get their mug on Facebook, too. So all you have to do is take your problem to the Lord. Let the Lord handle your problems. A perfect example of... uh, We're not going to go there, but you can write this in your notes. Acts 5, verses 1 through 11. A perfect example of people who were deceived by uh, riches was Ananias and Sapphira. You should know the story if you don't, or you can look it up and read it. (laughs) Ananias and Sapphira were believers. They were serving in the church of God. They were there all the time. They were were a fixture in the church, right? And so the church was having some kind of a fundraiser, whatever. And so Ananias and Sapphira said, well, we'll give you know, whatever the prophet was that they said, into the church for the offering for the sale of their property. Well, so then they decided that they were going to lie. And the Bible said they were lying to Peter, but the word says they were lying to the Holy Ghost. Actually, they were talking to Peter, but they were lying to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias says, yeah, we sold the property for so much, which was a lie. And you know what happened to him because he lied to the Holy Ghost? He fell dead right in the church service. Wow, he failed to thrive and it was fatal. And so the ushers hauled him out. The ushers up for this, hauling out dead folks. So they hauled them out. And then after a while, here comes the Sapphira. And so they say to her, uh, so you sold the property for so much. Yes, we sold it for so much. Well, she was lying in conjunction with with uh, with Ananias, Ananias. And guess what happened to her? She failed to thrive, and it was fatal, and they hauled her out. Why? Because they started to love money. Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And they got caught up into this money thing, and they decided that they were going to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of this money. So the deceitfulness of riches, the job that takes you away from the church, 100% of those people backslide. Their children end up a mess. They end up with all kinds of problems. And a lot of times their children end up in jail on drugs and all the rest of it. So it's a bad picture. Let's look at Mark chapter 8 verses 36 through 38 for a minute. Mark chapter 8, 36 through 38. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his own soul, now I saw a movie about uh who's that guy Howard Hughes, you know the rich rich guy back in the day that was in aviation and Hollywood and all this junk he was he was one of the richest men in the world at the time but you know what? he went crazy, he lost his mind, he lost his soul, so what did it profit him if he had all the wealth in the world? What did it profit him if he had people that could attend to his Insane state, day in and day at night, but he was he was nothing, amen. And he died that way. Verse thirty-seven. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You gonna sell it for a bowl of soup or a job here or a job there just because you make five more bucks an hour? For whosoever is ashamed of me, Jesus said, and my words in this adult and sinful generation of him. The Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. So, lust for other things. You know, we think about the main one, sex, sex, sex. God created sex, but he created it to be holy within marriage. He didn't create it so you could live together with every Tom, Dick, or Harry or J- Susie, Jane, and Mary. That's not That's not it. And, you know, I've got a nice couple of nice books in the bookstore. One's called "What uh, Sexual Immorality, What the Bible Has to Say About, and the other one's about What Does the Bible Have to Say About Homosexuality. You know, God is no respecter of persons. If you think that you can be out there sinning day in and day out and day in and day out, and God doesn't notice it, you're fooling yourself. God is a just God. He's not like our system in Washington, D.C. right now where X, Y, and Z gets away with murder, thievery, crimes, and blah, 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 but A, B, C can't get away with it. God is a just God. X, Y, Z, and A, B, C, whatever they do, they commit, it's the same. Same type punishment. The wages of sin is what? I wouldn't be playing around with sexual sin if I were you. It is not worth it. You know, two minutes of ecstasy or whatever it is, you know, it's not worth it. You can wait. You can wait. You need to teach your children. They need to wait. You as adults need to wait. You need to get your lives together and do things God's way because he's not mocked. God is not mocked. I'm telling you. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You are not the special case. Oh, but I love her so much. Oh,
0: but I love him so much.
1: Oh. No, that doesn't cut it. I'm, I'm being serious with you. Because I am tired of seeing God's people lose because they keep falling into sexual sin day in and day out. You know, get a grip on yourself, man. Get a grip on yourself. Get married or split up. Do one of the two. You know, so hallelujah. Aren't you glad I talked on that subject today? And for all you, you young teenagers and all you young adults in here, I'm telling you, the marriage bed is undefiled. I like what Pastor Josh says. He says "Uh, sex is the only sin that one day it's a sin. You get married and the next day it's blessed. That's the only that's the only thing like that, isn't it? So God has his rules and his regulations. And he ain't changing them because of you. Who are you? You know, nobody in the eyes of God. So you got to do things God's way. So make up your mind now that that's the way it's going to be. So, you know, lust can be for other stuff, too. I should show that. Anybody's ever seen Slam Dunk Ernest? You like that? You know the lady in that where she gets real lustful? You know about money. She wants money. I wanted to dig that video out, and I wanted to show part of that today. And she goes, more, more, more. She goes like that. She wants more money, you know. More, more, more. And the devil's taking over her, and she's just going on and on about how she wants more of this and more of that. We love Ernest in our household, except for all the kids. They hate Ernest. But Pastor and I, you know, the word, word says a merry heart does good like a medicine. So we were going through a really bad time in our life, and we would sit there and we would watch Ernest movies, and we would laugh ourselves silly. Ha! <laughs> Henry likes them too. Henry, I got almost all of them at my house. If you ever want to borrow some or come over and watch them, yeah, we could sit there and laugh together. And we still put them on and laugh. And then the kids say, "Why do we have to watch this?" Yeah, the grandkids like them. It's just this this, this group here, you know, that they don't like them. But we still think they're hilarious. Hallelujah. Okay, okay. So the effect of it was it, it, it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Okay, now let's see what happens in, oops, I gotta switch back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. So what are they doing again? Everybody's had the same opportunity to do what? To hear it! And so they've all heard it. So in verse 20, This is sown on good ground, and they hear it, but here they accept it. And they bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. So in the good group batch, you know, just think about yourself. Are you a good group batch, or are you a? you a good group batch. I mean, I'm not gonna, you don't have to raise your hand, because I don't want to say, hey, you're a bad group batch. If you're, if you're a good group batch, you'll know it, right? And Leah's looking at me, oh, but I don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> if they're a good group batch, you're gonna be productive either 30%, or 60%, or 100%. So think about what your productivity level is. As a believer, you're standing before Jesus Christ on the day of, uh, you know, whatever, when you go to heaven, and, uh, what are you going to say to him? Well, I'm a, I'm a 30 producer, Lord, or I'm a 60 or I'm a 100, Lord. You know, he's going to tell you. <laughs> At that point, he's going to tell you. You don't tell him. He's going to tell you, well, Lord, this is what I did. This is what I, what I produced. Praise God. So the word is sown on good ground. So they hear the word, right? Oh, turn my page. They hear the word. They accept the word. And they bear fruit. They become pr- fruitful. So, you know, what kind of soil are you? You know, you need to examine your heart. What kind of soil are you? Are you hard stuff? You know, have, how many of you ever been up to Big Bear and you see some dirt on the ground? But if you were to scratch it a little bit, you'd see a big boulder under it or something. You know, it's just nothing but rock under it. And then there's the, the, the stony ground. You know, I think about a hard heart. Think about a hard heart. Somebody in the Bible had a really hard heart, and that was Pharaoh back in the book of Genesis. The Lord kept coming to him came through Moses and saying, Well, how about this? And Pharaoh would say, Okay, you know, they went through what, seven, ten plagues, something like that. The last one of them was the 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 death of the oldest child in the family. And Pharaoh kept changing his mind. He didn't care if the water turned to blood. He didn't care if there were frogs. He didn't care, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. While well, the Israelites, God's people, were protected because they had the blood over the doorpost. But he had a hard heart. There wasn't anything he could do to change that guy's heart. So I've heard a saying that says, um, the sun can melt the wax... But harden a brick. So Pharaoh, although the man of God, Moses, came to him over and over and over again. Although the Lord would bring the plague or whatever. And then the Lord would stay his hand because Moses would say, okay, we'll do things your way. And then he would change his mind and he'd harden his heart again. He's a perfect example in the Bible of somebody with a hard heart. And so if you look at your own heart, you know, do you have a hard heart? I don't think you do if you're in here. I don't think you have a hard heart if you're sitting in here. But maybe you've known people who do have a hard heart. Maybe you know people who have a stony heart. Maybe when I think of people with a stony heart, I think of people like maybe relatives that you want them born again, you know. You keep witnessing to them, but man, they just seem hard as a rock. They tell you to shut up. They don't want to hear this Jesus stuff. Get away from me. You know, all this other stuff that they might say to you they've got a stony heart but i always think of i always just pray lord chip away at that heart just get out that chisel lord just chip away at that heart just just turn that heart into powder turn that heart soft so they get to the place where they can receive then there's some that are that are you know thorny do you have a thorny type heart what kind of soil is your heart do you have a thorny do you have a thorny type heart are you so caught up in everything else in the world that you know jesus is over here in the corner somewhere Some of you folks are so busy. We need to examine our lives. I'm talking about all of us. We need to examine our lives. What's a priority and what isn't? Number one needs to be Jesus needs to be our priority, and everything else in life needs to line up with that. Yes, Freddie back there, he's yes, yes, he's got it. (laughs) Yeah. So we need to we need to examine our lives, and we need to say, okay, Lord, what's a priority? What is getting in the way between me and you, Lord? Now I tell you what, some of you people, you parents with children, you can, they can run you ragged. You can have them in every sports imaginable. They can be doing tap dance lessons, ballet dance lessons. They can be doing judo. They can be doing swimming lessons. They can be doing basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever else we got out there. And you're running yourself ragged, especially if you have more than one child. You're running here, there, here, there, here, there. You can't possibly see all their games especially if they're on a traveling team you're all, all over the place but you know you need to ask the child what is your favorite thing to do and have them do one thing how's that what are they excelling at have them do one thing that way you're only running that particular child in one direction not 12 directions you need to you need to you need to uncomplicate your life you know what i'm saying We think that we're doing our children a favor by pushing them into everything. At the beginning, you can see what they like. What do they like? You know, if you're making your kid take piano lessons and they absolutely abhor it, have no talent for it, I think you ought to drop it, save yourself some money, save yourself some gas in the car driving them to and from the thing, save yourself some bawling and squalling at home, but I don't want to practice, you know, that kind of stuff. Unless they've got some kind of a talent for it, then you can go for it. But anyway, that was just that was all for free. That was all for free. Let's see what. Then we've got the good soil. So we can we can we can make a decision in our own life if we declare that we're good soil. Are we going to be 30% bearers or 60% bearers or 100% bearers? Tonight I'm going to teach a message on continuation of this. Is what does what does thriving look like? What does a believer who fails to thrive, what do they look like? What does a believer who thrives look like? And how can you fit into one of those those things, hopefully, that you're going to be on the the good side? Look up Hebrews 3. I don't even know if I gave that to the... This may be in addition to what I already gave you. Did I give you that? (laughs) Hebrews 3, they love it when I preach. 7 through 11. You're always changing it on me, Mrs. Pastor. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. I'm in New King James again still. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will what? Hear. There's that word again. Hear. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. They're talking about the Israelites out in, the, out in 40 years in the wilderness. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. Do you want God to be angry with your generation? Let's get it together. So God's not angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. You know, I want to be in God's rest, don't you? Amen, I sure do. Um, Look at James 122. Right after Hebrews, James 122 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceived by the devil? Is that what that says? No. Who are you deceived by? Yourself. It says deceiving yourselves. So how do you like going around being your own deceiver? You're deceiving yourself. Amen. Sometimes we think things in life. And sometimes we try to get the Bible to agree with our thinking. And sometimes our thinking is stinking thinking, which doesn't line up with the word. So people go around and they'll take a part of a scripture here and part of a scripture there. And they make their own little quote unquote Bible. And they say, see, this is what the word says. You know, you can't be a believer that says, oh, where will I read today? And You put your finger on the thing and it says, Judas went out and hung himself. And You think, well, that's not a good one. So you flip the page, you put your hand down, it says, go and do thou likewise. Are you going to get that or not? So do you think it's God's will for you to go and do likewise and hang yourself like Judas hung himself? Okay, so that's not the way to read your Bible, right? Amen. Amen. So we're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only because if we're not doers of the word, then we are going to fail to thrive. We're going to fail to thrive. Who wants to fail to thrive? Anybody in here? Let me see your hand. If you do want to fail to thrive, anybody in here? Well, are you willing then to do in your life what it takes to thrive? Are you willing to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only sitting in here week after week fooling your own? says you're deceiving yourself. Then say Satan's deceiving you. says you're deceiving yourself. So you have to make that quality decision. If I am going to be a thriving believer, there are certain things that I must do in my Christian walk. There are certain things that I must do. So anyway, let's look. at I, I like I didn't put this in there anyway, either. But let's look at Psalms 51. We sing this sometimes. You need to examine your own heart, Right. You know, and you can you know if you're you know if you're falling short or not. You know, you don't need anybody to stand there and shake a finger in your face. You know where you're falling short. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna read all of Psalms fifty one because I like it. Or I'm gonna read most of it. Have mercy upon me, O God. Turn the page according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 3 says, For acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before, before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inward part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And this is the part that I like. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You can have a clean heart today. Create in me a clean heart, O God. The cool thing about God is you always have a second chance or a third chance or a 26th chance or whatever. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Isn't that a horrible thought? To be away from the presence of the Lord. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit. From me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Remember when you first got born again, how joyful and happy you were. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. We get our act together. We go out. We witness to the world. We win people for him. Amen. I'm not going to finish that, but look, flip over to Psalms 139. Verse 23 and 24 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my, King James says, says thoughts. Search me, O God. And know my heart. You're giving him an invitation to come into your heart to straighten you out. Know my thoughts, Lord, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. So the question is, are you going to be a believer that is going to thrive or are you going to be a to thrive? You know, it takes a lot of work to be a thriving believer. I'm just telling you. It takes dedication. It takes ever keeping yourself on course. Ever being focused. Not being sidetracked. It's easy to get sidetracked. You know, it's easy. But you need to stay focused. Try to stay focused. Thrive. Make sure that you're thriving as a believer. Not that you're failing to thrive. Because if you are failing to thrive... It can be fatal. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, come back tonight because I want to share with you tonight the, uh, what does it, what does a, a person look like that thrives? What does a person look like that fails to thrive? And so by me, um, just listing those for you, maybe you can see yourself in them and get fixed. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand. up.